Welcome everybody to our next topic here on the SESEC podcast and um, now we're going into a very big topic in shoulder and elbow surgery for well shoulder surgery and in this part because we're talking about instability and we've picked a very interesting paper which is uh, called influence of bone graft position on stability ratio restoration in anterior glenoid bone loss. And I have the author here, who is uh, Professor Christoph Katthagen. He's Chief Senior Physician at the Department of Trauma, Hand and Reconstructive Surgery at the University of Münster in Germany. And my SESAC expert today is uh, Professor Philipp Moroda from the Schultes Clinic in Zurich in Switzerland. Also a well-known expert on instability, shoulder instability in our society. So welcome you both of you today. I'm very happy that you are here. And uh, my question would be to the uh, author, Christoph, can you give us a short comprehensive summary of what exactly was your aim and what you did in, in this study? Yeah, Robert, thank you very much for the introduction and thank you, uh, Philip, for being there as well um, as one of the starting points of this um, new series of, of um, instability research being performed. So what we looked at is um, something um, very interesting currently came up, a glenoid concavity. Um, we all know the concept of concavity compression and um, in shoulder instability with bony defects in the past 10 to 20 years and, and also currently, the defect size was guiding the treatment. Um, however, there is no clear uh, cutoff for the defect size um, to distinguish between soft tissue and bony uh, procedures, for example. And um, from this point, um, Philip uh, actually started with a finite element uh, study uh, at his time in, in Berlin at the Charité. And they found that um, the concavity, so the depth of the glenoid, actually plays a very important role uh, in the context of stability, uh, especially when we look at uh, concavity compression. And um, we took this as a starting point uh, and actually uh, showed that what Philip and his group found in the finite element um, project uh, was proved um, correct in a biome biomechanical model uh, with human specimens, uh, where we actually did a load and shift test uh, with human specimens uh, in a robot robot model. And um, the next question was if um, restoration of a bony defect. Um, and the positioning of this bone graft uh, will also be dependent on concavity. Um, so what we actually did is we created a about 20% bone defect in 14 human shoulders, glenoids, uh, and we used the same robotic uh, setup with a load and shift test to um, see how the position of a bone graft to fill this defect uh, would restore stability. And we chose three positions. So one was flush with the glenoid line. The second was one millimeter medial. 
and the third was one millimeter lateral and to push it a little further next we chose two millimeter steps in the medial direction and in the lateral direction and we all know from the clinical experience it's difficult um, to exactly position the graft by millimeter but we also um, tend to position it a little more lateral um, with the idea to really um, restore stability and we wanted to see if if this variance of positioning actually influences um, the stability in this concavity compression um, topic or uh, setup. And what we found uh, was positioning the graft um, in the glenoid um, line or lateral actually restored stability or even increased it a little bit. But when we put it one millimeter to medial, it had basically no effect because um, the head was already allowed to slip medial onto this little graft and uh, in, in, onto the graft, which was positioned a little more medial. And obviously, the two millimeter step didn't didn't bring anything in the medial direction. So to conclude, um, we should obviously avoid um, to position the graft to medial because this will allow the humeral head to move anterior and to decenter into a basically more or less subluxed anterior position. Um, and the next step, which since we used a graft that was meant to uh, simulate an iliac crest, so we used it more, you know, a, a very straight graft, the next step would, would be to see how restoration of the initial individual concavity with a curved graft um, really um, restores and improves the situation. And um, to, to wrap this up, uh, I think the way where we will go is that we will have individualized printed biological grafts that uh, will have the same curvature and concavity as the, um, the individual's glenoid head before the the defect. Mm, this is a very interesting s s study, Christoph. Um, so one millimeter—that's the—that's the key feature. One millimeter too far medial, and then the operation doesn't work. Philip, what do you think about the study Christoph and his colleagues have done? Uh, first of all, thank you, Robert, for inviting me to your podcast. This is a very nice uh, program that you have going on. Uh, I enjoy listening to your podcast. They're very well produced with. Uh, great speakers so thank you for your efforts and also thank you Christoph for having me uh, you did a great study uh, I really like it I think it's very necessary that we discuss this topic now and in the future because we are not quite there yet with our instability surgeries we have quite good outcomes but there is always room for improvement and I think the recognition of the fact that the concavity is a better surrogate parameter to uh, determine a critical Uh, bone loss um, is something where we can find value and so I like this study a lot. I, I completely agree that one millimeter medial does not sound a lot, however it is actually a problem biomechanically speaking because if you consider uh, to be a skateboarder that is uh, starting on a ramp and is going down the ramp and up the other side and then you would have 
a little step in this ramp. Uh, this might not seem to be a lot, but it certainly is in terms of uh, stability that you lose. So what I like to do in clinical practice is exactly what uh, Christoph just mentioned. We need to go for perfectly shaped grafts that actually restore the concavity. And this cannot be done with a flat graft. This needs to be a curved graft. So what I like to do uh, is to position the graft a little bit proud and then I burr it down with a burr to mimic the exact concavity. Um, maybe one question to uh, Christoph. I mean, we all know that there's huge remodeling and uh, what are your thoughts uh, of bone remodeling with the background of the data you have found? Yeah, so one important fact maybe before, we, before I answer your question is, um, you know, the one millimeter of a flat graft going medial means at the edge of the glenoid, maybe two or three millimeters depending on, on the concavity because we use flat grafts. And this is why, you know, the one millimeter lateral position was probably the best to restore stability um, because it's a little prominent. The problem is that you have an edge, you know, uh, scraping off the the uh, cartilage, which which we uh, don't want to have. So the one millimeter position, in fact, means a little more, uh, probably two or three millimeters, uh, depending on the individual's uh, concavity because you don't have the ramp. Um, answering your question, Uh, what we know about remodeling is that the surface extending anteriorly, so what you have, you know, all, all of the, the surface area, you have too much going too far anterior without pressure contact. That's, that's what's being resorbed. Um, obviously, we also see grafts that are too far medial being resorbed because they don't have any, any contact or, you know, if, if the bone... Um, doesn't have pressure it will be uh, it will be resorbed after time um, but I think if we have you know if we have a graph that actually restores we always tend to go too too big so our reconstructions are always almost always larger than the initial glenoid surface and so we allow for more contact area than the human head actually wants to have. And that's why the body after a while takes it away because we don't need it. And if we go in, in this direction that I mentioned and that Philip uh, obviously uh, actually uses in clinical practice already, uh, we will have smaller grafts um, mimicking the exact initial glenoid uh, with the curvature and being small. And then we won't have this resorption phenomenon uh, going on, I assume. Uh, you have said that there, you, you assessed a lateralized position versus flush positions and medial positions. So the graft was um, perfectly matched within the defect. But how about uh, superior inferior positioning? Um, did you question this also in your study? Um, not Directly, what we looked at was a load and shift test in the exact three o'clock position. If you look at a right shoulder, um, but what we also did is we allowed for a passive path without guiding the robot where to go, but we allowed the robot to go where it wanted and or the humeral head to go the way of the least resistance and. 
if the graft was more medial, the humerus, humerus or the humeral head tended to go more inferior. Uh, that's what we also see. We've performed um, a similar uh, study looking at GLAD lesions, at chondral defects. And that's very interesting because the chondral defect alone, if you take away cartilage from 3 to 4.30, for example, um, the humeral head goes into this defect because it, you know, it has the loss, loss of concavity and it goes, goes this way. We didn't, um, we always chose the same position of the graft. We didn't, um, actually investigate how putting it more up or down would influence. Um, but we always wanted to restore the anterior inferior region. So that's where we positioned, like in clinical practice, you know, why, why would you put it much higher um, when we know that the human head doesn't go there. So um, you you told that maybe there is a need for really perfect anatomically fitting grafts, right? Um, how would the perfect anatomically fitting graft, where would it come from? Yeah, so um, I think it's a little more complicated. Um, we need to understand why a glenoid with a small concavity, for example, a very flat glenoid, um, allows a bigger defect before redislocation, a larger defect? Um, or is it because probably the, the soft tissue balancing and the muscle is adapted to a very flat um, glenoid, uh, whilst a glenoid with larger concavity maybe tolerates less because it's it's um, dependent on the bony stability a little more. We don't know anything about this yet. What we know is that um, a patient with a 20% defect can remain stable and a patient with a 7.5 millimeter defect can have redislocations. So many factors uh, that play a role. So I think we are far away from individualized instability tre treatment yet because we, we, we are not capable of telling for each individual is soft tissue enough? Do we need a bony procedure? What is the cutoff for this individual? And this will be the key to understand in my opinion. And I'm not sure if we can restore each defect individually perfect because sometimes it becomes so small but relevant for stability that we will have trouble to fix it um, and to create it if it's only, let's say, three millimeters wide. So um, if we want to have it as perfect as possible in shape, I think it needs to be printed and covered with biological material. That's what I think. And Philip, uh, would you agree? Is this also your opinion uh, on this? What do you think? Where's the journey going? So I think that there is a good chance that in the far future, this will be the ideal option. Uh, I just don't believe we are quite there yet. Um, so far, I believe we have a variety of anatomical sites where we can harvest bone grafts from, uh, whether it be the distal tibia, the lateral clavicle, the spina scapulae, or the iliac crest, or even the coracoid process, 
we have a lot of options. Uh, they all have different uh, sizes and shapes. Um, to be honest, me personally, I prefer to go for bicortical iliac crest graft that, uh, like I just mentioned, um, I like to place a little bit proud and I leave the spongious side uh, being the new articular surface and then I bury it down to match the concavity exactly. This goes along with the point that Christoph just mentioned. It's uh, certainly difficult to fix a smaller graft uh, rather than it is to fix a larger graft. So I really like to use a graft of sufficient size to fix. I like to use a, a, um, a press fit insertion, a J-bone graft technique without any screws uh, and metal in the joint. And this works quite well because we also need to consider the potential of reshaping in the medial lateral direction. There's actually a study by Alexander Aufwart from Salzburg who showed that if you have a graft that initially certainly is only made of bone, spongious bone, and you do MRI scans and even histological examinations, you will find some form of fibrocartilaginous coverage of this graft uh, at follow-up. And this is also an important concept to consider because in the future, these patients that we operate, they will have 50, 60 more years to go with this shoulder and osteoarthritis is around the corner. So we might want to look for techniques that not only generate stability, but also try to slow down the already started process of uh, osteoarthritis. So for me personally, right now it's the free bone graft transfers or the latage. But even if I do a latage, I like to place my screws obviously quite medially. And I'd like to place the graft a little bit proud and then I bury it down to match the concavity. So even with my latages, I do the exact same things as I do with my J-bone graft. I reconstruct the concavity. And uh, um, Christoph, I think you would do it the same or do you have any uh, modifications on that, what Philip just told us? No, I would do it the same. Um, I currently, um, I, I totally agree with Philip. Uh, we are far away from, you know, printing something and covering with biological material and, and bringing it in. Um, and all the bone graft options have been shown in the literature to be um, helpful and to restore stability and to improve function. Um, and we don't really know so much about long-term osteoarthritis for all of these options. We know it for some, but not for all of them. Um, for me, the, the most difficult thing currently is to decide whether to be, to go soft tissue uh, with a soft tissue stabilization or to be uh, going with a bony reconstruction to understand which are the patients, um, that will fail soft tissue reconstruction, even if this is the first option of choice. Um, and we will need data from uh, maybe coming out of the SETSEC from many shoulder surgeons filtering out their failure cases. And then we have to look at imaging and at concavity to, first of all, in a retrospective setting, understand just from the anatomical side, why does one shoulder fail and why doesn't the other? keeping in mind that so many factors like sport activity, muscle balancing and others are important. Yeah, so wonderful. Christoph, many thanks for your 
beautiful study and uh, many greetings to all of your team members who did this great study for us, which will definitely help us to understand and improve the problem of shoulder instability. And as I have heard from your words, don't put it too far medial, stay a little bit proud, which is, I think, a very good uh, choice to do. And uh, we're on a long journey and um, I hope to hear and see uh, more data and studies from you. And I'm absolutely sure that uh, both of you and the people around you will help to improve this problem in shoulder surgery. So many thanks. Yeah, thank you very much to Philip uh, and to you, Robert, uh, for this very nice interview. Thank you. Congratulations, Christoph, for the excellent study. And thanks, Robert, for hosting us. This was the SESAC podcast on the paper Influence of Bone Graft Position on Stability Ratio, Restoration in Anterior Glenoid Bone Loss with the author Professor Christoph Katagen from the University of Münster in Germany and my SESAC expert today Professor Philipp Moroda from the Schultes Clinic in Switzerland. My name is Robert Hudek and I am from the Ajas Clinic Fledinsel in Hamburg, Germany. Many thanks again for listening and I hope we meet each other in person in real life on our next meeting in September in Dublin, Ireland.